This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. What's the Tooth Fairy's favorite dance? The floss. You're listening to Weird Medicine with Dr. Steve on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave, an ultrasonic, echographic, and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease, so I'm paging Dr. Steve. Dr. Steve! It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve with my little pal, Dr. Scott, the traditional Chinese medical practitioner who keeps the alternative medicine wackos at bay. Hello, Dr. Scott. Hey, Dr. Steve. This is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you've got a question, you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider. If you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323. That's 347-POOHEAD. Hey, follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine or at drscottwm. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcast medical news and stuff you can buy. Or go to our merchandise store at cafepress.com slash weirdmedicine. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, or whatever. All right, very good. These flat earthers have gone wild. <laughs> um or, this is from Live Science, organizers of an annual conference that brings, brings together people who believe the Earth is flat are planning a cruise to the purported edge of the planet. There you They're go. looking for the ice wall that holds back the oceans. Of course, they'll find it. Mm-hmm. It's called Antarctica, mm-hmm. and it's just one big-ass ice wall, and they'll get there and go, see? And depending on which way they go, it's going to be a really rough trip. Told you. <laughs> There's a big wall of ice. Mm-hmm. Journey will take place in 2020. The Flat Earth International Conference recently announced on its website the goal to test so-called Flat Earthers' assertion that Earth is a flattened disk surrounded at its edge by a towering wall of ice. I wonder if there's... I wonder if you could get laid on this cruise. Not a I would, chance. No? Yeah. You don't think so? No. You think Flat Earthers don't have intercourse? Or no, they're not wild? I don't think so. They're not that crazy. It might be crazy. You might have crazy sex. <laughs> That's true. Details about the event, including the dates, are forthcoming, according to the FEIC, which calls the cruise the biggest, boldest adventure yet. It'd be fun. However, it's worth noting nautical maps and navigation technology, such as global positioning system, work as they do because the Earth is round. That's how they're going to fucking get there. <laughs> so the, whoever's captaining the ship is like, yeah, yeah, you guys just go have your fun. Yep. I'm going to use the Earth as a globe right. <laughs> to get to where it is that you yeah. want to go. You guys just You're point. you dumb. Yeah. And, I'll get and they're not dumb. Here's the thing. No. I, flat earthers aren't dumb. Here's what it is. Maybe there are some dumb ones, but there's dumb other Every, you know, just normal right. people. Yeah. Also. Flat earthers are people who want to be contrarian but don't want to risk anything because mm. there's no risk. Right. Now, if you want to say, 
you know, start getting political, you're going to get trashed on the Internet and people come after you and maybe they'll show up at your house or they'll ban you from uh, uh, PayPal and deplatform you from Twitter <laughs> and stuff like Unfriend that. Unfriend you on Facebook. Well, and, the, you know, at, at the very least, but, mm-hmm. the, you know, the bad stuff is you can get kicked <laughs> off so you don't have a voice. Right. Whereas if you're a flat earther, people just go, oh, those guys are nuts. Nobody gives a shit. Right. So you can... You can join kind of a group of people that say, no, I'm not part of your system, man, but you're not actually um, risking anything, Mm -hmm. nothing. You're risking nothing other than people just thinking you're goofy and who cares, Mm -hmm. you know. The ancient Greeks demonstrated the Earth was a sphere more than 2,000 years ago. And, of course, gravity that keeps everything on the planet from flying off into space could only exist on a spherical world. That's why Bizarro Planet can't be real. Because mm-hmm. Do you remember what shape Bizarro Planet was? No. I don't. No? Really? No. It was a cube. Hmm. You don't know it was a Bizarro? No, I don't He was so. Superman's, uh, he was like a Bizarro Superman, and he had a craggly white face. No, I don't remember him. And he would that say, you know, back, like, before my time. me, I'm smart, and <laughs> stuff like that. He was like, he had the powers of Superman, but he was mentally challenged. Oh. Yeah. But they came from a planet that was a cube. <laughs> and that's not possible either. No. Because gravity is going to always pull things to the, to center, the center, and when you're pulling everything to the center, you it will make around. a sphere. Now, right. obviously, the world isn't a perfect sphere. Uh-huh. It's an oblate spheroid because of its rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, But if you shrunk the Earth down to the size of a cue ball, it would be smoother than a cue ball. Mm-hmm. That's how crazy that is. The, the oceans are really shallow mm-hmm. when you think of how... Um, Thick the Earth is. How thick the Earth actually is. Right. Yes. Very yeah, good. Thank sense. you. That makes sense. Uh, so, um, yeah, here we go. The navigational charts and the systems that guide cruise ships and other vessels around the Earth's oceans are all based on the principle of around Earth. And uh, GPS relies on a network of dozens of satellites orbiting thousands of miles above the Earth. You can watch these things. You can track them. You can predict when they're going to go overhead based on... uh, Why am I explaining this? I don't know. The Earth is is a sphere. Yeah. Cut the fucking shit. Hey, but have your I want, fun. I wonder it's if fun. Th- it I sounds like it'd be fun. I wonder if their thoughts are like Stranger Things where there's uh, on the on the bottom side of the earth. Is right. there like the... Well, it's like they, the, the people who are making fun of flat earthers will show an eclipse of the of the moon. I mean, a, you know, uh, yeah, a lunar eclipse mm. where the earth's shadow is being cast onto the moon, right? Mm-hmm. And it'll show a, a line and then it'll have an elephant, you know, a shadow of an elephant, <laughs> you know, that's holding up the disc, the giant <laughs> elephant that's holding the disc up. Um, uh, yeah, whether or not the FEIC crews will rely on GPS or deploy an entirely new flat Earth-based navigation system for finding the end of the world remains to be seen. So have fun. Uh, what I'm hoping is that they um, get there and just everybody's just fucking everybody. Mm-hmm. There you go. So there you go. Works. Let's see here. Here's an article. How flat earthers explain total lunar eclipses. Because, you know, when you see a total lunar eclipse, uh, you can see the shadow of the earth and it's, you know, it's circular. Right. Which implies a spherical, you know, that's a circular cross section of a spherical object. Uh, Two dimensional projection of a three dimensional object. Uh, So let's see here. Uh, sky watchers in much of the Western Hemisphere saw the moon pass directly through Earth's shadow. Our natural satellite appears red during lunar eclipses for the same reason that sunrises and sunsets appear that shade here on Earth because sunlight is scattered as it passes through the atmosphere. Uh, okay, according to flat Earth conspiracy theorists, this astronomical phenomenon known as total lunar eclipse was actually a rare opportunity to catch a glimpse of a mysterious shadow object that orbits the sun and occasionally passes in front of the moon from our point of view here on an allegedly pizza-shaped Earth. Mm. Boy, they got to go from their elbow through their ass crack to (laughs) get to that one. (laughs) Although flat earthers believe our planet is flat as a pancake, they surprisingly seem to have come to the consensus that the sun and moon are spherical objects. Okay, so we're special. However, these theorists posit that both the sun and the moon orbit Earth's North Pole. Come on! Hovering directly above the pancake and never passing around to the other side. If that were true, however, lunar eclipses as we know them could not happen. 
because the moon must be on the opposite side of the Earth from the sun for such an event to happen. So flat earthers fabricated a new explanation for the shadow seen on the moon during the eclipse. So it's this other thing that we can't see the other thing, but somehow it obscures the light of the sun. Beautiful. That's delightful. So have fun. Have your fun. <laughs> and I hope everybody gets laid, and I hope they're all laughing at us going, those stupid spherical Earth people, they don't you know, know what fun is, is on one of these flat Earth groups. That's right. So have fun. Anyway, um, don't forget, please, to check out stuff.drsteve.com. That's stuff.drsteve.com for all your Amazon shopping needs. Check out uh, Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. We've got allergy season coming and every single person that I've talked to that has used your nasal spray from simplyherbals.net has given me a positive report. Everybody yes. says it's the best stuff on the market. Yeah. So um, it's got a little peppermint oil for yep. anti-inflammatory uh, activity. It's got some buffered saline in it. You can just spray the crap out of mm -hmm. it because it's inexpensive. How much is a bottle of that stuff? I think it's a $8, and that's okay. shipping included. And it's a, but it's a big bottle. It's a big bottle, yeah. And um, you just spray the hell out of your nose with that stuff, and yep. it feels good, good and stuff. it really works. So Washes check that out at simplyherbals.net. If you're interested in losing weight along with me, I'm 10 pounds away from my ideal body weight. I got I had a little bit of a uh, hiccup in my journey to my ideal body weight, and it was called vacation. Vacation, yes. Eating and drinking. <laughs> uh, but, you know, when I got back and I had gained eight pounds, uh, I didn't fret about it because mm. I knew – exactly how to get it back down again i'm already back down four so i've lost half of it in just a couple of days cool so uh check that out at noom n-o-o-m dot dr steve dot com um if you're interested in um uh home cooked well pre-made meals you know we we used to do blue apron mm -hmm. where they would send you um the raw materials and you'd make it right and then, uh, and there was no waste with Blue Apron. Blue Apron's awesome. You can go to blueapron.com slash weirdmedicine and still check it out. Uh, then I did Tara's Kitchen for a while where they do all the prep for you. So not only do you only get the two radishes, but if they're supposed to be sliced, they come pre-sliced. Mm -hmm. And it was really kind of cumbersome. It came in this big giant cooler and you had all these little trays and stuff, but it was cool. Yeah. You just dump everything together and cook it. And uh, then I got even lazier and decided, well, what if I just had a, the food sent to me already made? Mm -hmm. And that's Freshly. And so Freshly is um, a food service that um, delivers fresh prepared meals that make eating right really easy. They're all gluten-free. They're healthy meals, and they're all really tasty. I, I haven't even had one that I said I wouldn't have again. Mm. Uh, you can use my link to get six dinners for $39 for two weeks. That's $20 off each week. Give it a try and uh, let me know what you think. So you're getting $40 off of Freshly. You go to freshly.drsteve.com. And then if you want archives of this show, you can go to premium.drsteve.com. If you're interested in getting the whole archives for $30, I'll send you a thumb drive. You just go to drsteve.com and there's a link there. Uh, I send you a... Uh, it's exactly 16.2 gigs, so I couldn't fit it on a 16-gig thumb drive. So you get a 32-gig thumb drive with 16, you know, 15.9 gigs free. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nice. Anyway, and it's a pain in the ass to do, so I've got to charge a little bit for those. But Or, or you can just get it for a buck ninety nine. download them your damn self. Well, how are you, Dr. Scott? You, we both just got back from vacation. Yes, I was just complaining a few minutes ago to you that... We got off, when we left South Florida, it was 85 degrees, and when we got here to the mountains, it was 45 degrees, and we got <laughs> off the plane, so. Poor little fella. Oh, my gosh. Everyone's going to feel you sorry know, they, for you. I can, I can hear the tears, but, um, God, no, much better. I, well, was, I was in need of a, a, a couple days off. I had decided, uh, you know, I have, uh, we talked about this last time, I have this new malady, this uh, poly migratory polymyalgias in other words i've got uh, muscle pain that moves around but it's uh basically attached itself to my hips and my shoulders and um i had uh basically normal blood work which pretty much makes the diagnosis of this thing called polymyalgia rheumatica which is uh, the only time i've ever seen it is in 80 year old old ladies so i'm really pissed um so i uh of course, looked at all the zebras. You know, if you're in standing in a field in Upper East Tennessee and you hear hoof 
beats behind you, you're going to assume it's a horse, not a zebra. But in medicine, you know, we the horse is going to be all the common things, in this case, polymyalgia rheumatica. The zebra, in my case, would be a thing called limb girdle muscular dystrophy, which is, of course, I assumed that I had. And while I was at uh, the beach, you know, I'm like, this is going to be my last beach trip. I'm going to die. And, uh, you know, I would um, uh, try to uh, get up out of bed and I would have pain in my hip. And I interpreted it as weakness because, Mm -hmm. you know, if you have pain. You don't like to move. You don't like to move. No. And uh, but it wasn't weakness. I would run it up and down the stairs just to make sure. This is what you know, I know too much stuff. That's the that's truth. the problem. Yes. And uh, so I first assumed it was that, and then um, as I took my medication, which in this case is low dose prednisone. So prednisone is a corticosteroid, not a Arnold Schwarzenegger steroid. No. Um, anabolic steroid, right? And I use that as shorthand. I don't know if Arnold used uh, anabolic you know, androgenic steroids or not. But um, people know what I mean when I say that. Anyway, so I used uh, this low-dose corticosteroid. Now, in high doses, these things used chronically can cause diabetes. They can cause a thing called Cushing syndrome. Mm -hmm. And in Cushing syndrome, you get a big sort of what we call moon face. Mm -hmm. You get swelling of the face. You can get a, a swelling of your upper back. It causes kind of a humpback. And um, you can get um, elevated blood sugars and other sure. things like that. I'm on such a low dose that it's almost physiologic. Mm. You know, it's almost just above the level that my body would make normally. Okay. And it works. Okay. And that also helps make the diagnosis of polymyalgia rheumatica. Now, I'm still kind of convinced that it was medication. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was taking amlodipine, and it uh, again, the zebra is a very rare, insanely rare <laughs> reaction to uh, amlodipine, which is a calcium channel blocker. And um, so, you know, I assumed that's what was when it about halfway through my vacation, all my pain went away. Mm-hmm. Which also makes me wonder if it isn't stress-related. Mm, I wonder what the year But I was taking my medication. So I came home, and I skipped a dose of the prednisone, and then I realized, oh, shit, it's still there. Yeah, so. but did you skip your medication while on vacation? No, I did not. Because you wanted to have a good vacation, not yeah, be miserable. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, think, I think 99% of yours, knowing your work schedule, I would say is stress. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, I always get I always get better when I'm on vacation. Oh my gosh! But the first half of it, I was like, "Oh God, I'm dying! I'm dying!" I'm dying. Yep. <laughs> it yep. was horrible. But we ended up having a really nice time in the end, um, particularly since all my symptoms went away. Right on. That's good so. stuff. Well, and, and plus, you know, and, and, and to interrupt just for a second, but I know you were get out walking, getting some yep. some, some sunshine, some Oh, yeah, and I got a stress D. fracture in my right foot so, from walking. From walking, So yeah. that's how old I am. <laughs> well, I was walking. I By the way, if you have trouble, they are, they are not a sponsor. I wish they were. Um, if you have trouble with sandals at the beach, mm. um, I use, uh, I found these sandals. They're the greatest damn things ever. They're called... Um, Nomadic, okay. N-O-M-A-D-I-C, and they're rope sandals. Right. And um, I have the J-C version, I guess, that's named after, <laughs> you know, our Lord and Savior. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, but but they look like something some centurion would wear or some, you know, itinerant preacher would wear, you know, sure. 2,000 years ago, made out of um, the real soft rope. And they're the most comfortable things. The sand doesn't get between them and my feet. And so I walked two, three miles in those every day. So on then, the beach? On the beach. Well, hell, there's your problem. Well, and, and no shit. Oh and, uh, but I was so comfortable. Right. But then all of a sudden I started having a bunch of pain in my arch. And it's either I've got a falling arch or I've got a stress fracture. So it's um, just this getting old shit can kiss my ass. I was going to say, you know what? I can tell you right now, because of your age and because of the the structure of those sandals yeah. and the sand, you've yeah, they're just flat. Plant, plantar's fasciitis. So you've got a fallen arch. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was definitely yeah. that. It's, yeah. I didn't have any heel pain. It was all right in the middle of my arch. Remember, you can get plantar's fasciitis in the middle of your arch and sure. and towards the towards your toes too, because the fascia touches you know different places. But I mean, it's more common at the heel. Right, right, right. That's where you see eighty four percent or something. But you know what? The, the sandals and and I. I've never seen your sandals, but the ones that I wear are called, well, they're flat. called Chacos. Okay. Chacos have a negative heel, and I wish they were sponsors because I have like 12 pairs of them. Oh, yeah. But um, but they have negative heels, and they take a lot of the stress off of the arches of the feet. 
Yeah. My problem is if I'm at the beach wearing sandals, um, if I I can't stand anything between my toes, that mm-hmm. just hurts, and then they fall off, and I'm curling my toes trying to keep them on there right. all the time, and that drives me crazy. And then the strap-on ones, the sand gets between that. And then the other thing I can do is just wear um, tennis shoes, sure. but then you look like a fruit. Like a fruit, yeah. Well, so um, you know. You know, more so than I normally do. I was going to say if the shoes, the tennis shoes fit. Yeah. So, but anyway, but I love these nomadic sandals. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, there's something about, and not everyone loves the beach, but I do. There's something just so calming about the waves rolling in and. And the beer. And the beers. The beers helping sunshine. Just laying out there and nothing to do. Nothing. And just, you know. Relaxing. Laying there, and I'm trying to find the music, god damn. I know I what you're looking for. <laughs> you know, and then the sexual tension just between you and the bartender. Washes, so. away. <laughs> washes away, that's right. Anyway, all right, well, very good. Hey, check cool. out uh, Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. That's simplyherbals.net. And you can also check out our show website at drsteve.com. And uh, uh, don't forget to listen for our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. So, anyway. All right. Um, you want to just answer some phone calls? Let's do it. Let's do that. We haven't done that in a while. Number one thing, don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. Thank you, Ronnie B. It could not be a truer thing to say. All right. Oops. Help if I... Oh, boy. Oh, here we go. You piece Uh-oh. of shit. Okay. We... Oh, okay. Google um, yep. voice can kiss my ass. I'm going to have to rename each one of these on the fly. Okay, that's cool. And um, What am I Googling? Yeah, you talk. Talk about that story. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so I found a, a really interesting one since it is the springtime. And a lot of us, especially in the uh, Hillbillyville mountains of Appalachia, we suffer from a lot of allergies here. You know, a lot of pollen. Oh, we actually are in the allergy capital, capital. of the oh, world. Yeah. yeah, lots of pollen from pine trees and... Etc. But I was reading an interesting. We're also in the. Uh, this is the center of tranquility and consanguinity. There you go. But consanguinity meaning inbreeding. So <laughs> just a little. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but the pollen. But this 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 little research paper was was describing the fact that pollen across the world is getting worse. But really? you can yeah. But you can do things to make it better. Well, um, wait a minute. Why is why is pollen getting worse? I don't know. That's what I was trying to find out. Oh. But I hadn't gotten down there yet. Hell, I just started my show prep three minutes ago, for God's <laughs> sake. Jesus Christ. Hey, give... <laughs> <laughs> hey but now, here, now here's the cool thing is they, they, there's, a, there's a couple great tidbits of, of wisdom here um, from this allergist. And they're saying the first thing you need to do is, is find out what allergens are causing your symptoms. Well, yeah, no shit. Well. Well, yeah, but you know, not everybody thinks of it. They just want to take a pill. You know, they don't know what's making them sneeze or whatever. Right, but they, right. but so it's nice to identify. Well, that's it. what allergists do if they're going to uh, create blocking antibodies using allergy shots. They want to know what antibodies they need to create. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure. So they'll, um, you know, they can do it a couple of ways with a blood test. Mm-hmm called a RAST test. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was always taught that those were not as accurate, although I see my favorite um, ENT guy is now using RAST tests, so I think okay. they've probably gotten better. Uh, the other way they can do it is to just um, take little um, doses of antigens and scratch it into your skin. Yeah, those skin pricks, that's the worst and then, test. And then oh, it, it causes a local allergic oh. reaction, and then oh. they'll know from the map on your back which things they need to what they need to put in your serum. Yeah, if your doctor suggests that, ask them if there's a, an no, alternative. No, fuck off. You're wrong. <laughs> do that. It's, do it's so much more accurate. Though. I know it's extra, but it's, it's painful. Man, that thing was terrible. I could, <laughs> I, I could feel when they, were, when they were giving me those little shots. The things that I was the most allergic to when they were pulling you can tell the needle. Which ones they they, were. Well, when they're pulling the needle out of my skin, my skin wasn't letting go, and you could hear it pop. <laughs> wow! Every time it was. Oh, not. the acupuncturist is worried about little tiny needles. No, it wasn't the damn needles. It was the pollen. Air genius. It yeah. was. It was the thing I was allergic to, and I wasn't allergic to everything. But anyway, so anyway, minimize exposure is the second thing. So. You know, unfortunately, what I have to do at home is I never open my windows. I keep my windows closed all the time and keep their conditioner running or heater running. Really? Yep. 
Some, I just can't. I just can't. I haven't have the windows open. Some I'm, fucking hippie you are. I know it's horrible. Hey, but, but but once the spring is gone, I'm I'm in pretty good shape. Okay. Um, but the other thing is taking proactive approaches, and proactive approaches would be like a nasal nasal spray, like we have it. The simple herbals, you wash out the pollens out of your head. You can go see an allergist and have the test run, et cetera, so et cetera. Yes, you do not have yep. to buy doctor. You do Scott's not have to. Stuff. No, it's not. It's a nasal. It's we're to not wash the pollen um, out. trying to sell. No. It, you know, do an ad on here, although no. he does sell perhaps the best nasal spray yes. I've ever yeah. used. But I'm saying that as yeah. his friend and we're not nope. selling it, but at simplyherbals.net. But uh, the the principle you're going for is to try to wash those allergens right. out of there. Get them out of there. And um, if they're not there, then they don't have, right. um, you know, the ability to interact with the human body to right. try to, you know, make you feel bad. Minimizes the histaminic response in your in your sinus. That's right. Yeah. And, and then some of the new classes of medication are really, really, really good medications. So well, there's, there's yeah. a bunch of great options. Out we'll there. talk about you don't some have of to, those. Well, you don't have to suffer so much. You know, some of the newer ones, the Flonase nasal spray is really good because it hits, I think it's six different um, histaminic sites. Oh, and six is greater than one. One, that, six that, is greater than one. That ad drives me crazy. <laughs> well, it does. Really, it? six is but, greater than one. Thanks for informing me. But the good thing is, it is. It's not an oral, so you don't you don't have some of the side effects you get from the other um, allergy medications, which sometimes do cause drowsiness during the day. So, yep. you know what I like to do is is I'll mix in um, a spray during the day and a, typically an antihistamine at night if I'm really suffering. Because sure. it makes me go to sleep. I just can't take him during the day and function. So let's talk a little bit about antihistamine. So sure. there's the um, classic antihistamine was always um, Benadryl, Benadryl sure. or diphenhydramine. Diphenhydramine. And uh, it is a drowsy antihistamine. It'll They put it in sleep aids. You know, yep. there are people that take it every night to sleep. There is some concern that taking a lot of antihistamines throughout your life may increase slightly your risk of dementia and other problems and people who already have a little bit of dementia got to be the elderly particularly got to be careful Mm -hmm. of those kind of antihistamines absolutely because um they can increase um cognitive symptoms you know problems Mm -hmm. when thinking and also in elderly men particularly or any man that's got a large prostate if they take a, a drowsy antihistamine uh, it can cause bladder outflow obstruction. Yep. Uh, when I was a medical student, I remember uh, we got called down to a patient's room, and he was 80, 90 years old, and he was just laying there, wouldn't move, and he wouldn't respond. Mm. And uh, his eyes were wide open. He was staring at the ceiling, but you couldn't get him to respond. And my intern was smart enough to, you know, check his chart, see what he'd had, and he had had a, uh, an IV uh, a dose of Benadryl, 25 milligrams, which is a pretty, pretty decent good dose. Yeah. You know, that's a, the same thing you would take orally, but mm-hmm. IV, that's you're getting it all at once. That's so kind of a big dose. And she did a thorough physical exam, which you should do in any situation like this, and felt a midline mass right above um, his junk. Mm-hmm. You know, up in the uh, up in the lower abdomen, mm-hmm. upper pelvic region. And uh, she diagnosed a a distended bladder, and so she put a catheter in this guy's penis, and he pissed out two liters of of urine and sat up and went, oh, shit, that hurt. Golly. So the pain from this distended bladder that was really getting ready to bust, explode. Uh, was enough to just make it so that he didn't even feel like moving, uh, you know, blinking or oh. interacting with us, moving his arms, talking or anything. Oh. So uh, you got to be really careful with that stuff in the elderly yeah, male. Sure. Yep. And, yeah. I, and I and I even think, Doctor Steve, and I could be wrong, but I even think in young men too. I think I think if they take that particular medication for years, I think it can affect your prostate long term. Yeah, maybe. And, and I'm not saying that. Because I know that I'm just saying from personal history, you know, I used to take them a lot, and I had prostate problems when I was young. Yeah, I quit yeah, taking maybe. them. I yeah. quit taking them. So that's an that's an end of one. That's just me talking. So, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Well, anyway, so then you have the non drowsy antihistamines yep. like uh, fexofenadine, aka Allegra, cetirizine. Yeah, which is Zyrtec. Yep. Yep. And um, all you know, and, and there's all there's a plethora of things yep. out there. Um, I've had really good results with this thing called the Navage. Now, the Navage mm-hmm. is basically, um, it, it is to neti pots what Pilates is to yoga. 
Okay, <laughs> so you know these yoga they, these yoga masters come over from India and go to a Pilates studio. They're horrified right. to see these people hooked up to uh, pulleys oh, I know and it. machines, yanking them in all these weird positions and stuff like that. And uh, the neti pot is a very low tech way to wash your nose out and if you ever want to see something funny just google image nitty pots and Mm -hmm. you know we used to just laugh at these pictures everybody you look so stupid Mm -hmm. when you're doing a nitty pot and uh the trick with it is to turn your head sideways and you stick the the pot in one nostril and you want to get good at the water coming in one nostril and then floating back out the other nostril not going down your throat or into your lungs don't tilt your head back (laughs) <laughs> no, no, don't do that. Um, and uh, so it, it it takes a little bit of technique. Well, the Navage has a reservoir in the top where you put saline. And by the way, with all of these, always use distilled water. Mm-hmm. Even though 99 point something percent of the tap water in this country is, is perfectly safe. Sure. Um, you know, we could prevent a couple of cases of amoebas invading and people's veins, brains. And they love brains. Yes. They, they love to eat brain tissue. Yep. And when they get in there, it's hard to, to kill them because right. you can't get ana, uh, you know, anti-amoebic drugs into the brain real easily. Right. So uh, use uh, distilled water. And, uh, but anyway, you put distilled water in these little saline pods in the top, and then there's a little reservoir on the bottom. And uh, you've got two little plugs that stick in your nose, and one of them shoots water in. The other one's got a vacuum on it sucks the water out. Mm. And so it's the coolest feeling because you hit this thing and uh, you push it in halfway, you get the suction in mm-hmm. the one nostril, then you push it in all the way, and all of a sudden water starts shooting in the other nostril. Mm-hmm. And you think, uh-oh, I'm in big trouble. But no, the suction is enough that it actually pulls it hmm. out, and it just stays up in the upper uh, upper um, nasal passage, uh, stays above the palate, mm-hmm. you know, the roof of your mouth, and just um, circulates around in there and just sucks out every bit of allergen. There you go. Any antigens that are in there, uh, mucus, all kinds of stuff. It's the cleanest your nose will ever feel. <laughs> and then you see all the shit down in the bottom. It's, right. it's, it's, it's incredible what's in there. Spiders and shit. In there. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it's very satisfying, very easy to clean out. And uh, when it, when it's allergy season i can get a good eight hours of relief just doing that it's cool yeah 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 and if you want to check out a navage you can go to uh stuff.drsteve.com and there's one you can just look at it cool so all right today's episode is brought to you by angie angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well let me tell you there's the version of it where you try to do something at home and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you you watch them do it the right way and you go thank god i didn't try to do that myself i have fully done things around the home that i think look good and then a bang in the night and i wake up to a shelf collapsing a painting falling off the wall like it i've i've seen it all go south i own a home and i can tell you I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okie doke. I finally have all of these things tagged up properly, cool. so they'll play. Let's do it. All right. Uh, 
Okay, so cellulitis is a bacterial skin infection, usually appears as a red swollen area that's usually hot and tender to the touch, and then it will spread. It's mostly painful, and it's very often seen in the lower legs because, the, you know, the, the feet particularly, they're basically the bumfuck Egypt of yeah, the, the circulatory, circulatory system, yeah. and they've got very, you know, very little blood flow. And uh, so your your defenses are lower in your feet. You get a little athlete's foot or a little crack in your foot, and bacteria can invade. And then all of a sudden, you're getting, um, uh, you know, infection. But if you have cellulitis that just doesn't go away, I, I have to question the diagnosis of cellulitis. It makes me think that maybe what he's got is venous stasis instead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So venous stasis is a situation where the veins in the leg have failed, and you're now leaking uh, fluid out of the uh, uh, veins and lymphatic channels uh, into the legs, and they'll swell. Mm-hmm. And then, if you continue to um, um, uh, not do anything about this, what'll happen is the um, the skin will stretch so much that blood can't get to it. You know, the pressure is just too much, and uh, the skin and the tissues will start to break down, and you'll get what's called stasis dermatitis. And um, and it looks red. It looks like cellulitis. Right. But it's not because it's not spreading. It's just chronically red. Right. And the treatment for that is vastly different. We don't give antibiotics for stasis dermatitis. Mm-hmm. You can do external compression. You mm-hmm. can do a thing called an unaboot. There's all kinds of things that can be done. But the proper diagnose needs to be, diagnosis needs to be made. Yeah, and I think people have seen people with a stasis um, dermatitis before. It almost looks like somebody's wearing a red sock. Below, yep. their, below their knee, and that's exactly what it looks like. Yep. So it does kind of look like a cellulitis, but it, it, it's much more looking like a sock to me because yep. it kind of surrounds the whole calf and down into the foot. Yep. They'll sometimes use even steroids to just calm things down, right. but um, external compression is often the key. Shoot, yeah. And, and movement and getting your sure. feet pumping. Pump yep. your feet, get them elevated, and pump your feet, and that helps a bunch. Yeah, because the way the veins work down there is they're, um, they have little valves in them. Mm-hmm. And, and no, and no muscles inside. The, that's right. In veins, yeah. No veins are thin-walled, yep. um, you know, flaccid mm-hmm. vessels. Whereas arteries are thick-walled, muscular right. vessels. And when you get down into the legs, you know, gravity is trying to pull that blood. You know, it's got a long way to go from your feet up to your heart. Mm-hmm. And gravity is trying to pull that whole column down. And then it's just back pressure is trying to push the whole column up. Mm-hmm. And that that battle between pulling it down and pushing it up creates side tension on those veins and then enough side tension on the vein and it'll just expand the wall to the point where the valves fail the valves below now the only thing that will that will cause the blood to go back to the heart is the back pressure Mm -hmm. and that's when you start seeing all this stasis and stuff so if you uh compress the leg from the outside using compression hose Mm -hmm. and some people can get by if it's early if you catch it early enough with these things called medium strength compression hose you can buy them at most any um uh, pharmacy that sells durable medical yep. equipment. Yep. And they just look like regular black dress socks. Mm-hmm. They don't, they're not like those crazy Ted hose that are right. so tight and hard oh. to put on. Yeah. And if you can catch it then, then, you know, a lot of times you can nip it in the bud. Yep. So anyway. All right. So good luck, big boy. Yep. Well. Not leaving a message ends just too soon. I was busy jay-offing. And it just ends. I couldn't end. What? So I guess I'll ask you a question. Okay. Yeah, I'm um, close to diabetic, uh, pre-diabetic. We, we probably could have started this call right here. Mm-hmm. I don't know what all that preamble. Good, yeah, it is a good call screen. Diabetic, <laughs> um, and they gave me pre, maybe even into it. Um, they were never super clear, but they gave me a few medications. Uh, I don't have to prick myself. They, ca- they asked for it occasionally just to make sure, but... I don't know what they are off the top of my head. Okay. First off, 
if you're diabetic, mm-hmm. you need to be checking your blood sugars. Yes. <laughs> um, and you need to know what medication you're on. Yes. So let's um, let's just just a, a little advice from your old uncle Steve. But I've been going on an extreme diet, you know, twelve hundred calories. Okay. Every day because I have a cruise coming up in a month and a half, and you know what? I stopped taking my medication because, damn it, if I'm eating nothing, my blood sugar should be fine. Okay, so <clears throat> if we could rely on this, we wouldn't need to check our blood sugars, right? Because you can't tell most of the time when your blood sugar is elevated. That's why most people who are diagnosed with diabetes are actually surprised by it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm okay with people doing diet control of their diabetes. Matter of fact, I would prefer that. Yes. Most people with type 2 diabetes, which is the type where you have plenty of insulin, but your body just can't understand the signal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's those people, many of them can be controlled with diet alone. Yes. If you'll just do it. So he's doing this 1,200-calorie diet, don't know. He just said the calorie. It doesn't tell me how many carbs what, it is. Right. It could be all rice. Yep. You know, if it's all just white it, bread, 1,200 calories bread, of yeah. white bread, then that's not going to help it's him. It's going to make it worse. Um, if he's doing a low glycemic index 1,200-calorie diet mm-hmm. um, uh, under the supervision of a nutritionist at the diabetes center, I have, should have, yeah. I have no problem with yeah. that. And... I'm even okay with him coming off his medication and seeing what happens. But how are you going to know if it's working if you're not testing your blood sugar? Right. So that's that's the the issue I have Agreed. with his strategy totally right agree. now. Let's see. And all that. Anyways, I, I want to hear your thoughts on it. Oh, I well, still take them. Okay. I know you, you don't know the medication I am, I'm on. But well, dude, you don't even know. So Let's say... <laughs> work with somebody you get you get the deal yeah i get the deal so i i think it's totally fine it's a decent strategy mm-hmm. uh lifestyle m- management for a lot of people can if not cure their diabetes can certainly improve it to the yes. point where they need minimal medication and if you start this early you can very often uh prevent yourself from needing insulin down the road and kidney failure and all these things uh, so I, I'm okay with the strategy. I just don't like the way you're doing it. Mm. So if you will at least monitor yourself, yes, and then um, uh, and then keep a diary and then take it in. That's fine. Um, or do it under your doctor's supervision. Mm. But you got to have the blood sugar checked, or you'll never know. Yeah, you'll never know if you're making improvements or not. There's no way yeah. to know. No. Now down the road, they're going to want to do a thing called a hemoglobin A1C, which is probably one of the things they did to diagnosis in the first place. Right. Uh, hemoglobin A1C is a really cool test because it gives you a three-month kind of rolling average of what your um, blood sugars have been. So if you did, um, uh, you know, a, a blood sugars throughout the day and then average them all up and then average them over 30 days and then every day you do the last 30 days or three months sorry about you know then you get this rolling average so a hemoglobin a1c gives you about a three-month rolling average of your average blood sugar mm-hmm. and uh, it'll correlate with with that and um it basically happens because there's an irreversible reaction between glucose and hemoglobin where it can attach and once it does it doesn't go away Mm. so and the amount of glucose that's attached to the hemoglobin in your blood um, is proportional to your average blood sugar over the last 90 days because or yeah 90 days because a blood cell lasts about anywhere between 90 and 150 days right Okay, so it's a good marker, and so you know every three months when you're first working with somebody with diabetes, you can see is it going up, is it going down, or is it staying the same? There's no fourth thing; it'll be one of those, <laughs> you know. Right. And if it's going down, then you're doing all the right things. Right on. Okay, so he needs he needs all of this, and yes. he just needs to talk to his provider. It's totally fine; they'll be they'll be open to it, you know. My doc, um, when my blood pressure started to elevate um i said look i'm getting ready to go on this noom app um do you think we could wait to put me on blood pressure medicine he said no let's just put you on it and then when you lose the weight then we'll we'll try to back you off and Hmm. see what happens and i actually am kind of glad he did that because i would have had yet another three months of elevated blood pressure Mm -hmm. because even with the i've lost 25 pounds on noom so far 
and um, but my blood pressure hasn't come down that much. I was surprised. Hmm. It's genetic, yeah. you know. Hell, yeah. everybody, ma- every man in my family had a high blood pressure. Yep. So running wide open, and I, lo- I love that gnome though. Yeah, you're doing really well. Yeah, I'm very happy that's, with it. That's very a lot happy of weight. Yep. All right, I've still got I've got ten to go to hit my ideal. Oh my God, no! So, well, shit. A wicked egg allergy, right? Um, So, food allergies in general. I'm just curious, you guys' thoughts and opinions on um, exposing them to, you know, said food allergy, and, and you know, does that actually help get rid of it? You know, I don't know. There's a lot of mixed opinions on it, so I'm uh, I'm curious to hear what you guys think. Thanks. Well, okay, so here's the thing. There's prevention of allergies, and there's treatment of allergies. And food allergies are really kind of, um, you know, they're a tough one. I had a friend Very tough. who had a kid who's now a pharmacist, and he all, I can't even count how many times he almost died. They'd Ugh. come home because he ate one pea. He right. was allergic to all kinds of stuff. Oh, gosh. And, you know, when he was little, they didn't know if he was going to make it. Now he's, you know, hale and hearty. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, hmm. you, you don't want to mess with him. Somebody came in and tried to rob them, and I think he shot him. <laughs> so he's doing pretty well. Good. But, uh, you know, um, more and more, it, so the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention show that food allergies in children have increased 50% between 1997 and 2011, and they affect one kid out of 13, and that's like two students in every classroom. So I know all these parents are like, well, I can't even send peanut butter to what school. What was the num- number again on that? One in 13. Dang. Yep. Now, that's going to be a varying severity. Sure, you know? of course. Still, but yeah. 90% of the allergic reactions come from eight foods, milk, eggs, peanuts, tree nuts, soy, wheat, fish, and shellfish. So there's not a whole lot of shellfish sandwiches going into school, but there are a lot of peanut butter sandwiches and stuff. Sure. And, uh, you know, there are a few theories, uh, including one linked to our society's obsession with fighting germs, and this is called the hygiene hypothesis. And what the hygiene hypothesis states is that lack of exposure to these uh, agents early in childhood uh, can create a situation where the immune system mistakes food protein as invading germs. And so it's not that they're not being exposed to peanuts. It's that they're not being exposed to bacteria, say, in the soil or something Mm -hmm. that have um, these... um, proteins on them that are similar to proteins on peanuts. Okay. And so now when they get the peanuts, all of a sudden the body just, you know, tries to attack those antigens because mm-hmm. they've never been exposed to them before. Okay. And, um, you know, th- th- nobody knows the answer to this. That's the problem. It's still being studied, still being debated. Um, but there are a lot of people that think that that hypothesis at least has some merit because, you know, we're just, just our kids are being brought up in bubbles, sure. you know, in clean sure. rooms, basically. Yep. And, uh, you know, I didn't let my kids just play in the dirt. Like, hell, I ate dirt, you know, mud pie sandwiches when I was a kid. I remember doing it. Uh. Of course, my um, favorite um, story of my youth was I was in the backyard of a friend's house, and everybody had left me and done something else. I was in the backyard by myself, and I start screaming bloody murder, just screaming, screaming. Uh, like I was being, you know, attacked, and uh, they all came running, and they were, "What's wrong?" And I went, "A butterfly." Oh. <laughs> I didn't. Butterflies freaked me out because of the way they flew. Oh, okay. It was so chaotic. Yep. I didn't like it. Oh, okay. how, how old were you? Twelve, oh, thirteen? No. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think I was three. So I had that on my side. There you go. Um, they're uh, also wondering if medicines like antibiotics or acid-reducing stomach medications are being overused. But, um, you know, we would know if there was a correlation. Most kids are not being given acid-reducing stomach medications. Most adults are. Mm-hmm. Va- a huge number. I think, I think um, you know, for a while there, um, omeprazole was the number one prescribed drug for adults in, in the world. It was bit, something. Yeah. It was one of those. It might have been Zantac, one of those stomach uh, acid reducing. Um, so I, I'm leery of that one. 
And then, uh, of course, climate change is being mm. blamed on it. Um, you know, uh, these climatologists say that, you know, we are in the hottest decade on record and the warm and warmer climate may worsen respiratory allergies, but still doesn't explain the food allergy so i really am on the side of the clean me too. clean room hypothesis because well, we've talked about it before but you know on the show but you know there's a higher risk for children that are born via c-section having asthma and having other types of hmm. diseases because they're born in a clean room you know they, they don't get all of the um well we're the, not just the squatting them into the rice right. field right you know. bacteria. Um, let me so you're saying c-section yep kids are, are higher risk and of as- asthma. asthma yep asthma yep okay let's just by god see if see i'm right by no i know i think you are yeah i think you are i think so cesarean section without medical indication and the risk of childhood asthma and attenuation by breastfeeding now okay now look Whatever you do, breastfeed your damn kid yes. if you can. If and that was the any second part of can. the story. Yeah, if you can, um, yeah. because uh, and I think I, I do know this this study, and um, it's going to show that uh, they these kids that had or you know C sections had an increase in asthma, but that was blunted in the group of women that breastfed their kids. Right, exactly. So let's see here. Uh, our study found that C section without medical indication was significantly associated with elevated asthma risk. And so it was about a 58% increase. Now, remember, that's relative risk, absolute mm-hmm. risk, still very low. Sure. However, this risk was attenuated in children fed by exclusive breastfeeding in the first six months after birth. And and, and I, I think you can do it even shorter time than that and still get benefit from it. My littlest one back would be either severely debilitated today or may not have made it if my wife hadn't been breastfeeding. So he's five mm-hmm. days into his life. I walk into his room to check on him in his crib, and the heat I could feel it come, you know, radiating off of him. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I get him out of his little sleeper thing, and he is just burning up. Check his temp, hundred and five. Oh, bless his heart! Before we even did any, oh, and he's breathing forty times a minute too. Right, just happened, just so, suddenly. So uh, I, I didn't even stop, go, or collect two hundred dollars. Get him in the car. I'm mm-hmm. on my way to the Mars hospital, yeah, sure. and I'm calling our pediatrician. He meets him. Uh, uh, and he had respiratory syncytial virus, which causes croup in older kids. Mm-hmm. RSV, right? Yeah, RSV. And um, my wife had a cold when she delivered, and lo and behold, she had RSV. So she gave it to him. So in adults, it just causes a cold, but mm-hmm. in kids it causes croup and in babies it can kill them or it can cause uh chronic asthma but she was breastfeeding Mm. and this kid because she gave it to him she had the antibodies fresh antibodies Mm. igm antibodies in her uh in her breast milk and uh she was able to confer uh protection Mm -hmm. to him through these antibodies and the kid just sailed right through cool Totally sailed right through. Totally fine. Yep. And Ran he continues cross country. to sail. He continues to sail. Yep. He's a beautiful child. Yep. He's a good little feller. Yep. So anyway, uh, I, I think that, um, so the risk of asthma with a uh, C-section, obviously you don't want to do them without medical indication. Mm. Uh, to the individual is low, but it is a, that's a huge number, 58% increase sure. in yep. risk. But the real take-home of this is that uh, breastfeeding is good for you. Mm. So if you can breastfeed, highly recommend it. Sure. And if you're having trouble, they have breastfeeding coordinators and, and team, coaches yeah, and everything, everything in every yep. hospital. Yep. And uh, we had to, you know, Tacey had trouble breast or, or, you know, breastfeeding with Liam. And uh, what we had to do was weigh him before and after just to see how much he was getting. So you would weigh him oh, wow. and then yeah. breastfeed. And then as long as he weighed three ounces more, mm-hmm. then he got enough. Oh, cool. You know, so it's kind of cool. All right. Dr. Steve, uh, my name is Mike Lane, and I recently had an MRI and... For kidney stones, they didn't find any kidney stones, but he did say that I had a plugged liver. For some reason, I'm not really sure. He didn't really give me much information. Oh, but what? I would like to know what I can do about this, and if there if there is anything that I should do with a follow up. Thank you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give your doctor one of these. Oh, um, we were doing an MRI and. Um, 
uh, we didn't find anything in your gallbladder, but your but your liver's clogged up. <laughs> see ya. Nice. Say what yeah. an asshole. And call us if you have any trouble. Yeah. <laughs> what are you supposed to do with that? Uh, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna call your uh, assuming that this is the truth, the whole truth, mm-hmm. and nothing but the truth. I'm gonna call your that healthcare provider an asshole. Mm-hmm. I can do that if I call him a quack, then it's actionable. True. But I can call him an asshole all I it's want. It's your personal I opinion. learned that from uh, right. Penn and Teller. That's right. Because um, they said, oh, you know, we can't call these psychics fakes, right. but we can call them assholes all we want because <laughs> that's just our opinion. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> it, what this probably is is fatty liver. Fatty liver, right. Now, fatty liver can be caused by diabetes. It can be caused by drinking. It can just be genetic. Right. There is a condition called alpha-1 antitrypsin disorder, and uh, people who are carriers of this, you know, you have to have two genes to have the disease, but if you have one, you can. the only manifestation could be uh, that you have fatty liver. And so sometimes when I see fatty liver in somebody that I didn't expect it in, I'll check, and they'll be heterozygous for uh, alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency, mm-hmm. which is heterozygous just means they've got one normal gene and one shitty gene. Right, abnormal. Um, alpha-1 antitrypsin disorder, uh, you, you may know, you may not know that you have it in your family, but you could suspect it if you had a bunch of people in your family that had liver disease and or lung disease at an early age. You know, people that had emphysema and that was just really bad and maybe they died from it at like 40 or something mm. and nobody knew why. If you had two or three people like that in your family, you know, this is an easy genetic test to do. It's a real simple blood test. Okay. It's not a, it's not common, but I wouldn't say it's uncommon either. It's certainly not rare. Right. And uh, in this area where we are, there's um, pools of it. You know, I'll find I've seen more alpha one antitrypsin deficiency in this area than I've ever seen any other area of the country that I've practiced in. So, again, that whole consanguinity thing, you know, <laughs> uh, if you weren't here at the beginning of the show, that just means inbreeding. So. Um, uh, it, 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 non-alcoholic fatty liver disease um, is a... Um, you know, it, you know, the main characteristic is too much fat stored in the liver cells. And we, we can also call that steatohepatitis. When you start seeing elevated liver function tests, steato meaning fat and hepatitis just meaning irritation of the liver or inflammation of the liver. Uh, that, that can cause liver inflammation, which may progress to scarring and then, you know, cirrhosis down the road. So uh, if you have this, there are some things that can be done about it. And uh, rather than just your doctor going, well, hell yeah, you got some fatty liver disease. Good luck, yeah. old buddy. Um, uh, go go see a hepatologist or a, you know a liver specialist. And most GI docs can handle this. Most mm-hmm. of them are uh, experts in uh, in liver disease. Things that can cause it would be high cholesterol, uh, high triglycerides. High sure. You know those bad are blood fats. Nope. Metabolic syndrome, which is, you know, basically high triglycerides with high blood pressure, uh, being overweight, uh, people, women with polycystic ovary syndrome. If you have sleep apnea, you can somehow, I don't know the mechanism of that one, and diabetes, as I said, hmm. um, and uh, all these genetic things as well. Um, you can diet control this sometimes. Uh, as Dr. Scott said, getting more active mm-hmm. is important. Uh, treating the underlying problem. If uh, you have high triglycerides, treating the high triglycerides with um, you know, omega-3 purified fish fatty oil. Ed, sure, fatty uh, there, are, there are prescription versions of that, and there's mm-hmm. one out there now, uh, I think Vasipa it's called. Mm-hmm. Vasipa is um, a purified uh, uh, omega-3 fatty acid. If I rem- if I'm remembering this right, uh, and it actually has been shown to prevent heart disease mm-hmm. at the same rate that statins do, wow. but only in people that have high triglycerides. Mm-hmm. So you'll get a 30 percent decrease in the first heart attack, and then you'll get progressive decreases in subsequent heart attacks. So, uh, but the first line of treatment is diet and exercise, losing weight, mm-hmm. getting to your uh, ideal body weight. And if you can lose 10% of your body weight, so if you weigh 200 pounds, if you can get down to 180, it helps. And uh, they'll also vaccinate you against hepatitis A and hepatitis B in case you get those. When you have fatty liver, it's going to be worse. Mm. 
and um, you know, uh, so those are, those are the kinds of things they can do. So you want to have this followed up. Sure, absolutely. I'm hoping this person is listening. Yes, me too. And uh, just ask for follow up. Definitely if, can be treated. If your primary says, "Well, I don't know mm-hmm. what to do about this," then um, and that you know they're going to sound just like they're from <laughs> from Appalachia. Uh, if they uh, then they can always send you to a specialist yeah. and just get checked out. See how serious it is. What do you need to do? Can we nip this in the bud? How far has it gotten? And if it's just a little bit of fatty liver without any inflammation, yeah, you can uh, you can get, you can get this under control pretty easily mm-hmm. with some work, and um, uh, it lead a long and normal happy life. Okay. Yep. Kid, I uh, became blood brothers with. Hey, Doctor Steve. Hey, man. When I was a kid, I uh, became blood brothers with uh, my buddy from church, and I was just wondering. It was, you know, it wasn't much blood. We we cut our hands somehow. I forgot how we did it. Um, But I was just wondering: is is uh, his blood still in my body? Does it does it work like that? Beautiful question. I love this question. And uh, the answer is there may be some. Okay, so when you are blood brothers, you you cut, uh, you know, your thumb or your hand, and your then palm, you grasp sure. them, and then yep. you mix blood. Mm-hmm. The likelihood that any significant amount of blood goes from one person to the other, because the pressure is for the blood to come out, not to go in, mm-hmm. right? I mean, sure. when you bleed, you bleed out. You don't bleed in. Mm-hmm. So even if one or two cells are in there, well, let's just say you're blood type A and they're blood type B. What's going to happen when the, those um, cells mix? You're going to get a clotting reaction. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why you, you can't just give blood to just anybody. Right. And then the spleen will um, uh, see that happening and it'll, it'll cull it out and destroy it. Now, could there be some molecules of your friend? Hell yeah. Sure. There could be hydrogen molecules. There could be oxygen molecules, you know, from the water, mm-hmm. uh, all kinds of stuff. Uh, and that could, those could be insignificant numbers, you know, uh, orders of magnitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, to, okay, so um, salt, to get, oh, I don't know what, look up what the uh, um, atomic weight of salt is. Okay. But, it's, uh, I can't, I used to know hey, this stuff by heart. Ask her, she'll know. Oh, yeah. Hey, Alexa, what's the atomic weight of salt? Salt's atomic weight is 11. Okay, so in 11 grams of salt, mm-hmm. there are 6.022 times 10 to the 23 molecules of sodium chloride. Times 10 to the 23. Mm-hmm. So that's a 10 with 23 zeros. 23 zeros yep. Okay, it's a huge, huge Mass, number. Yep. So if you had 100 molecules of hydrogen left over from the water that was in this guy's blood, then, you know, that seems like a large number. But, you know, we're talking about trillions of quadrillions and, you know, unthinkable numbers of uh, molecules. So what is more interesting to me is this theory of large numbers. It is almost certain that you have at least one molecule of water in your body that came from Christopher Columbus's piss. Okay? Sure. So Christopher Columbus coming across the ocean, pissing in the, um, in the ocean, in the ocean right. and through diffusion, evaporation, uh, rain, rain, and, you know, the all these molecules working their way, diffusing through the environment, it is likely that you have at least, at least one molecule of Christopher Columbus's piss in your body somewhere. Mm. Now, there's... How would you mark that? You can't. No. You know, if you had some radioactive element that only existed on another planet, you could have maybe marked the the um, uh, water molecules in his body and, you know, go back in time, mark them, and then uh, come forward in time and see if anybody has it. But there's no such thing. There's there's no radioactive element that exists somewhere else that we can't make here. So, so it, 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 but just f- through pure statistics, you can calculate that, the likelihood that that's the case. That's crazy. Now, that's true of every other person that was on the Nina, the Pina, sure. and the Santa Maria. Not only them, but every other person that lived in that time. Mm-hmm. That's how huge or, these numbers are. Or me, since I may have 
pissed in the ocean last weekend, maybe. Yeah, th- those, those, <laughs> th- right, those have diffused no, quite significantly, but not uh, enough so that not everyone yet. on the planet not has, yet. you know, Dr. Scott That's molecules right. in them. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks always go to Dr. Scott. We can't forget Rob Sprantz, Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teft, Lewis Johnson, Paul Charsky, Eric Nagel, Roland Campos, Sam Roberts, Pat Duffy, Dennis Falcone, Ron Bennington, and Fez Watley, who is early support of this show. Has never gone unappreciated. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, Sundays at 5 p.m. Eastern, on demand, and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. Many thanks to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules and podcasts and other crap. And uh, thank you, Dr. Scott. We'll see you next week. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps. Quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine.